This is More Christianity, exploring the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church with Father Dwight Longenecker, former Anglican priest, now Catholic author, blogger, and speaker. And now, from the WCKI studios in upstate South Carolina, Father Dwight Longenecker. Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This new program follows a four-week monthly schedule. That sounds complicated, but what it basically means is that for the first week, we're going to be considering the conversion story of someone who's come into the Catholic Church. The second week, the story of a saint, and our guest will be someone who lives out the life of that saint or follows that saint in their own daily life. The third week, Catholic culture. We'll be considering all different aspects of how the Catholic Church is alive in the wider culture today. Movies, books, art, literature, architecture. Uh, and our guest will be an expert in that particular field. On the fourth week every month, we're going to be considering Catholic service, talking to a guest whose faith is alive in the world today, living out their Christian faith by serving others. The idea of the whole program is that we experience the Catholic Church in all of its fullness, that we consider it as more Christianity, the fullest expression of the Christian faith in the world today. This is the second of our programs, and that means, therefore, we're considering a saint. And one of the greatest of all of the Catholic saints, one of the most popular and most beloved, of course, is St. Francis. In the second part of the program, I'll be talking with John Bruce, who is a third-order Franciscan, a layman, who follows Jesus Christ in the way of St. Francis by actually being the owner and manager of a Catholic bookstore. So we'll be talking to John and seeing what St. Francis means to him in the second part of the program. I want to share with you the story of St. Francis. You might know pretty much of it already, but perhaps it'll be a refresher for you. St. Francis of Assisi's real name is Giovanni Francesco di Bernardoni. Now, there's an Italian name for you. He was born in 1181 in the beautiful hillside town of Assisi in central Italy. His father was a wealthy cloth merchant. His mother was a beautiful French woman. And although his name is Giovanni, which means John, he got the little nickname Francesco, which means French. I think it's because he must have looked like his French mother, and I can just see his wealthy father tossing his hair and calling him Frenchy or Francesco, or what we would say in English, Francis. Francis grew up with his brothers and sisters, and at that time in Italy, the different city-states were warring against one another. There were constant feuds going on. Think of it as hillside clans feuding against one another, and in one of these spats which came up, Francis rode off with his friends to battle the people of the town of Perugia, which was not far away. Well, he and his friends from Assisi lost, and Francis was taken prisoner. While he was in prison, waiting to be uh, ransomed and, and bought back by the people from Assisi, he contracted the fever and got very sick, and he began to reevaluate his life. Up till then, he'd been living a life of a typical wealthy young man, uh, not really taking much thought for his soul, not taking much thought for eternal truths. And he was a bit of a, a dandy. He liked wearing fine clothes. He liked uh, singing love songs. He liked wandering about having a great time with his, with his buddies. But when he fell ill in prison, he began to realize that there was more to life than just going around having fun. He came back to Assisi to, to recover, and then he went on pilgrimage to Rome. While he was there, he saw the effects of the big city life. He saw the beggars. He saw the poverty. And he was deeply moved, moved to actually try to live in poverty himself. So he came back to Assisi, and he began to pray more. He went out to a little ruined church out, outside the town called the Church of St. Damiano, while he was there, gazing at a crucifix, he very famously heard the Lord Jesus say to him, Francis, rebuild my church. And so Francis, in his 
youthful zeal, went back to his wealthy father's warehouse and got a big bolt of the most beautiful cloth he could find and, and loaded it onto a horse and rode to a nearby town and sold the cloth and the horse in order to raise the funds to rebuild the little church of St. Damiano. Well, you can imagine that uh, his father wasn't real happy. In fact, he was furious with Francis. He was already worried that Francis had gone off the deep end and started doing crazy stuff. And now he really did do something crazy. He stole from his father. His father beat him, and Francis went to hide in a cave in the hillside out by Damiano. When he came out, he was, of course, hungry and muddy and filthy and disheveled. When he came back into the town, the townspeople mocked him and threw filth at him and garbage at him. His father beat him again and locked him up in a dark cupboard. Well, this terrible experience for Francis only made him more resolved and more stubborn. We always think of St. Francis as a sort of meek and mild person, but he had a real stubborn streak to him. He must have done to be able to do what he did. So he basically, before his father could disown him, disowned his father, took off even the clothes on his back and gave them to his father, and said, from now on, I shall only call God my father. And so in that act of youthful zeal and perhaps a little bit of rebellion as well, he left his father, left his mother, left his family, left everything to live in complete poverty. He not only looked at the poor and looked at their situation and felt bad for them and wanted to live like them, but he also saw the lepers who were the total outcasts in his society, and he began to go and minister to them. He began to try to rebuild the little church of San Damiano on his own. The people thought he was crazy. In fact, worse than that, they thought that he was a heretic, and this is why. You see, Francis had embraced poverty. He actually said that he was being married to his lady poverty as if he loved poverty so much that he was going to be wedded to poverty. Now, this is why the people thought that Francis was a heretic, because if he loved poverty so much, they argued that Francis was saying that material things, material possessions, and physical pleasures were evil or wrong. And if Francis had been teaching that, then he would have been a heretic, because the Christian faith does not teach that physical pleasures are wrong and that material possessions are wrong. Instead, it teaches us to love everything according to its own worth. Now, this is something which had been taught uh, hundreds of years before by St. Benedict, that we don't have to observe total and complete poverty. Instead, Christian detachment or the Christian love of poverty is a love of all things for their own intrinsic worth. That means if you have a car, you love it because it has four wheels and it gets you from A to B safely and reliably. You don't have a car in order to show off. You don't have a car in order to be terrifically luxurious. You have a car because it does the trick. It does what cars do. It takes you somewhere. That is to love a car for its own worth. And therefore, Francis's poverty is the kind of poverty which Benedict taught before him, a poverty of Christian detachment, loving all things according to their intrinsic worth. Well, in order to carry on and not be tried as a heretic, and remember, this is the Middle Ages, this is the 1100s. Back then, uh, heretics could very easily be put on trial, be imprisoned, or even worse. And so to be blamed as a heretic was going to be something terrible for Francis, who only had a longing to fulfill the gospel. And so he went back to Rome. He went to see the Pope. He said, I'm going to ask the Pope for approval. The Pope, of course, Pope Innocent III, didn't want to see this ragamuffin of a, be- of a beggar. And yet, by the Lord's providence, Pope Innocent actually had a dream in which he saw a roughly clad beggar holding up the corner of the great church of St. John Lateran. That's when Pope Innocent decided to meet Francis and listen to his story and hear him out 
And finally, Pope Innocent gave approval for Francis and his little clan of, of brothers to go around preaching the gospel and living the gospel life in all simplicity. We take Franciscans a little bit for granted now because they're still so active in our church, but we have to remember how radical Francis's life was in his lifetime. Francis reminds me that one of the favorite sayings of mine from Pope Benedict XVI is that sacred scripture can only be interpreted in the lives of the saints. Think about that for a moment. Sacred scripture can only be interpreted in the lives of the saints. I'm going to talk about this in just a moment in relation to St. Francis. First, I'd like to remind you that you're listening to Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is More Christianity, a program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. If you'd like to connect uh, with me, you can go to my website, dwightlongenecker.com. You can always read my blog, Standing on My Head, and there you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I was saying a moment ago that Pope Benedict XVI has said we can only interpret sacred scripture in the lives of the saints. I'd like to explain how this actually works, especially with St. Francis. Do you remember in the gospel, Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, that he's walking along the road and a man says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another one said to Jesus, I would like to follow you. And Jesus said, come and follow me. And he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Now, in a mysterious way, St. Francis comes along and he lives this life of total and radical poverty. St. Francis comes along with his followers and he can actually say, along with Jesus, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. I'm living in total and complete poverty. And so Francis, in his own way, and the Franciscans who follow his way now, still live a radical life of poverty where they can say with Jesus that they have no place to lay their head, no place permanent, no home. They just go from place to place and they live where the, their friar sends them. What about go and bury my father? Well, remember when Francis said goodbye to his father and said, I will call nobody father but my father in heaven. That verse too, in a strange way, comes true in Francis's life. We could go through the gospel and find many, many passages where Francis and his followers live out the gospel in their own lives. There is that famous saying that's attributed to St. Francis, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Well, whether he said it or not doesn't really matter. It's certainly true and it's certainly memorable. And that particular saying comes true in Francis's life time and time again, where he lives the gospel. He doesn't just preach the gospel. What about that passage in Mark 6? It goes like this. Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him, and he began to send them out two by two and give them authority over impure spirits. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there till you leave that town. And any place that does not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. I've met some of the Franciscan friars of the renewal when I was in London. I've also met the Franciscans who are here in town. And when I see the Franciscans, I can see them living out those gospel messages in a radical way and therefore showing us what Jesus actually meant and showing us that it is actually possible. Now, we can't all be Franciscans, but we can learn from the wisdom of St. Francis and we can learn how we can apply some of those principles in our lives, even if we can't live as radically as they do. In the second part of the program today, we're going to be talking to John Bruce, who does just that. He's a third-order Franciscan who lives out the way of St. Francis as a married man 
proclaiming the gospel through his work of running a Catholic bookshop. You're listening to Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is More Christianity. Why not connect with Father Longenecker every day through his popular blog, Standing on My Head? Why the weird title? Because G.K. Chesterton said, a scene is most often more clearly seen when it is seen upside down. In Standing on My Head, Father Longenecker writes on current issues, blogs about the faith, and entertains with his wacky alter egos, inspiring us to stand firm in our Catholic faith, a faith which stands the world on its head. More Christianity is also the name of one of Father Longenecker's most popular books. Based on the idea that the Catholic faith is more than, not something different from, Protestant evangelicalism, Father Longenecker shows how Catholicism completes and fulfills other expressions of the Christian faith, perfect for evangelical Christians who want to understand the Catholic faith better. More Christianity is available through Father Longenecker's website, DwightLongenecker.com. Do you want simple advice on the practice of your Catholic faith? Why not subscribe to Father Longenecker's free weekly newsletter, Faith Works, with articles on prayer, forgiveness, relationships, and spirituality. Faith Works comes directly to your email inbox. You can subscribe by visiting Father Longenecker's popular blog, Standing on My Head. Just Google search Father Longenecker to visit the blog and look for the sign-up form. Welcome back. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is More Christianity. This week we're discussing a saint, and the saint is St. Francis. As we've heard a little bit about his life, I said that we would soon meet a layperson who is actually a third-order Franciscan. So my guest this week is John Bruce. Now, John and I have a special friendship because he actually looks a little bit like another Franciscan, Padre Pio. Isn't that right, John? Well, that's what you think. Yeah, well, that's what I think. (laughs) And I tell him whenever I see him, I say, hey, Padre Pio, how are you doing? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. The only thing I haven't asked him to do yet is to perform some miracles for me. So I'm going to let that one ride. I just hope that he's as holy on the inside as he looks on the outside. I depend upon God's grace for that. Absolutely. John, You and your wife, Judy, own and operate the St. Anthony Bookstore here in town, which is a Catholic bookstore offering books and Catholic materials. But you and Judy are both also Third Order Franciscans. Isn't that right? Yes, Father. As I've already explained, this is a way for uh, lay people to live out the Franciscan life. Tell me how you first came across St. Francis and, and what it is that attracts you about the Franciscan life. Well, one of the things that attracts me about the Franciscan life is the importance of the spirituality the maintenance of orthodoxy in Catholicism, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Catholic orthodoxy, the importance of prayer, and the importance of simplicity and a sense poverty Mm -hmm. in personal life. Let me pick up one of the things which is distinctive about the Franciscan way of life, and that is poverty. St. Francis spoke about poverty as being lady poverty, like he was married to poverty. What does that actually mean for you as a layman? Obviously, you have family responsibilities and bills to pay like everybody else, so you're not really going around barefoot in a tattered robe. No, that's true. Poverty for a secular person really means detachment from your possessions. So you can have a car, but no, not really caring how nice that car is. Okay, I'm actually a Benedictine 
uh, oblate, which is kind of the equivalent of being a, uh, a third order, but in the Benedictine way. And St. Benedict teaches uh, the idea of detachment. And it's not really asceticism, giving up everything. Would you say that the Franciscan ideal, like the Benedictine one, is, is in a sense loving everything according to its own value? Yes, I think that, that would be a true statement. Okay, so when you talk about a car, for instance, poverty for you with a car means you have a car, but you have it for what a car is for. That's correct, yes, and don't go after a lot of extra frills, no fancy leather seats, that kind of thing. Right. You just so, get a basic mode of transportation to that meets the needs. Right, so have. a car is, is a good practical four wheels that gets you from A to B safely. Yes. Right, so that's poverty in a sense. You love everything according to its own worth. So you don't have a, the latest Corvette then, John? No, definitely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so poverty is one of the ways that you, you live this spirituality out in, in your life. Uh, what about prayer? Do you have any special prayer practices? Prayer practices that are encouraged within the secular Franciscan order is the Liturgy of the Hours, uh -huh. morning and evening prayer, as time permits. Of course, when you're running up against getting kids off to school, and morning prayer tends to suffer somewhat. But definitely setting some time aside for personal prayer. And what about the aspect of Franciscan spirituality? You know, Francis's love of nature with the preaching to the birds and all that sort of thing. Do, are you and Judy nature lovers? Well, that's sort of a misconception about St. Francis. Right. Well, okay. St. Francis loved nature, certainly, but he loved nature because it was a reflection of God's majesty. Right. So he called brother, son, sister, moon. Uh -huh. And even uh, the last uh, stanza, Mm -hmm. In that canticle of the sun that you just quoted, started quoting from, refers to our sister bodily death. Right. And that one's perhaps not such a popular stanza of the poem. No, no people, <laughs> people tend to leave that off when yeah, they're... <laughs> understandably. Yeah. Because there is actually a lot of sentimentality associated with St. Francis, isn't there? I mean... There is. Uh, come on. I mean, some of it is a little bit sort of rainbows, puppy dogs, and kittens spirituality. But I, I'm sensing from what you're saying that True Franciscan spirituality has got a grittiness to it. It it does and should have. Franciscanism is based on serving others. Right. And you have to be careful that you don't let your heart, which reaches out to other people, get in the way of your head, which is saying, I've got to conform what I'm doing to what the church teaches. Right, so there's a, a balance between head and heart. Uh, yes. And St. Francis himself showed that, didn't he, in his subjection to... Uh, the Pope. Yes, definitely. And and even though he didn't have to, he went out once he had, I think it was 11 members right. in his crew. He went out and went down to Rome and asked for permission to set up the order that he was setting up and got that approval. The Pope wasn't going to give it to him. But that night, the Pope had a dream uh -huh. that the Lateran Palace was collapsing mm -hmm. and there was this brown-robed guy holding the corner of it up to keep it from collapsing. Really? That's wonderful. And he came in the next day, the Pope did. And that fits and in with, excuse me, uh, with Francis's dream about Francis rebuild my church. That's that's right. right. That was, uh, well, that wasn't a dream. Uh -huh. He was praying in front of a crucifix. Okay. And he heard the crucifix speak to him mm -hmm. and say it was a church that was falling down and, and uh he heard the crucifix say, Francis, rebuild my church, because as you can see, it is in a state of ruin. So do you think that your work as a secular Franciscan in the world 
Does this idea of rebuilding my church, does that run right through Franciscan spirituality even today? It does. It does. And in our case, uh, for Judy and I, it's a case of talking with people mm -hmm. that come into the store and making sure that what we're presenting to them is actually what the church teaches and standing up for what the church teaches and making, also making sure that the materials that we carry in the store conform to Catholic orthodoxy. Right. And, and so in your everyday life, the nitty-gritty of uh, running a family, owning and operating a couple of Catholic bookstores, you're living out that Franciscan ideal of poverty, of spirituality, of sharing the faith, rebuilding the church. This really makes is really interesting to me because, in a way, all that St. Francis was trying to do continues to be lived out and accomplished by the whole Franciscan family. Uh, not just yourselves, but all the Third Order Franciscans who are faithful, uh, the friars, the, the poor Clares, the sisters, all of the Franciscan family. Yes, uh, there are three orders to the Franciscanism. The male order, the female order, poor Clares, but the third order is actually divided between secular people like myself right. and people that live in religious community. And there are numerous groups like that. The sisters that assist over at St. Anthony's School mm -hmm. belong to a third order Franciscan order. Right. That's one of the local parishes here in Greenville, South Carolina, St. That's Anthony's right. Parish. We also have a convent of Port Clare nuns who live up in the mountains, right. uh, who live the enclosed life. Uh, and a couple of our local priests here in the upstate of South Carolina are Franciscans and running parishes. Yeah. And, and Franciscanism, unlike some other religious orders have gone through a, a process of division right. to meet the needs. Sometimes it's a perceived need for renewal, but quite often it's a, it's a need for a specific action in a specific area. So you get the Franciscan friars of the renewal that work in the slums of various major cities, Benedict Rochelle being the most famous probably of them. And so their renewal movement within the Franciscan movement. Yeah, but they were targeting, we got to do do more for the poor. And that was what they saw within that needed renewing within their order. So they split and formed a, special, a separate order. I'm talking to John Bruce, who is a third order Franciscan here in Greenville, South Carolina. He and his wife, Judy, own and operate St. Anthony's Bookstore, a Catholic bookstore here in Greenville. John, what would you say is the most difficult thing for you as a Franciscan secular? Probably the most difficult thing is, is to um, fit in the prayer time in amongst all the demands of a family. Right. With uh, the hubbub of the morning and the kids in sports. Is there something in you and Judy's heart that wants to get away from it all and say, come on, Judy, let's go and have a little Franciscan cabin in the woods and hunker down and, and do our prayer life and get away from all the hecticness of, of modern American living? I think that probably uh, most parents go through that time to time that uh, it would be nice to get away and uh, discover a bit of peace and quiet for a while. Are there places like that for you where there are Franciscan retreat houses where you could go away for a few days? and, and uh, Not that and, I'm aware of. Right. No. Well, we'll have to introduce you to some of the Benedictine monasteries then. So, and you can, you can, we'll share, we'll share together. You can come and, and share some of that. Let me yeah. ask you one other thing uh, before we finish. And that is, what do you think is St. Francis's greatest gift to the church today? In other words, if St. Francis were here today, 
what would he be passionate about in the church? Where would we find him? What would he be doing? I think that he would be working with the poor. Uh-huh. I think that he would be out there with the uh, people like the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and working on the ground with people that need him. Or similarly with the uh, sisters that work over at St. Anthony's School, which is located in a poor part of town. Right. Because his outreach was to preach the gospel to the poor and not just to preach it, but to live it out to help them in their poverty to improve their lives. Thank you. John Bruce is talking to me. He's a third order Franciscan, and he's been sharing with me about the life of St. Francis in the world today. And to summarize, I think you would say St. Francis is here to serve the poor. He would do so joyfully, and he would do so in a way that's rebuilding and renewing our church day by day. Thank you, John. Every week, we're going to be considering a different aspect of the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church. More Christianity is called that because we believe that the Catholic Church is not something different from other forms of Christianity at heart, but it's something more than. It's the fullness of the faith. And so week by week, we're going to be considering different aspects of the Catholic faith to share with you the fullness of the faith in many different ways. So, for example, in the first week, our guest will be a convert from a particular religious tradition or from a different religion altogether. And not only will we hear their conversion story, but we'll also take some time to understand where they've come from and understand more fully why they've come into the Catholic Church. The second week each month, we'll be considering the life story of a saint, someone who has a devotion to that saint or someone who follows their Christian path along with that saint day by day. On the third week, we'll be considering Catholic culture. We'll be seeing how the Catholic faith actually influences the culture in which we live. We'll be talking about movies and books and talking to some of the people who are involved in spreading the Catholic faith and Catholic truth through the wider culture in our world. Week four of every month, we're going to be looking at Catholic service. What are Catholics doing to change the world and make a difference in the world around us? We'll be talking to people who are involved in the pro-life cause, those who are busy serving the poor, talking to Catholics who are living out their faith through everything that they do as they seek to follow Jesus Christ in the fullness of the faith in the Catholic Church. So welcome to More Christianity. I hope you will join me every week as we go through these different topics and we have a whole range of interesting and fascinating guests. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this day and always. Amen. More Christianity explores the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church and comes to you from the WCKI studios in upstate South Carolina. Tune in every week for Father Dwight Longenecker's perspectives on Catholic culture, social issues, saints, converts, and the supernatural aspects of the Catholic faith. For more about Father Longenecker's work, his website is dwightlongenecker.com. More Christianity is also the name of one of Father Longenecker's most popular books, based on the idea that the Catholic faith is more than, not something different from, Protestant evangelicalism. Father Longenecker shows how Catholicism completes and fulfills other expressions of the Christian faith. More Christianity is available through Father Longenecker's website, dwightlongenecker.com.